Glad to be back. Good morning. Did you notice I was gone? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Normally I do this before I get up here. So, had a wonderful time. You can read my blog. I get details on that. Plus, we're going to share about uh, the trip a little bit at the end of the service as well. But I do have some evidence that I've been to Japan, and I just I want to share this with a couple of people. So they have these candies over there called Melty Kisses. They, they call everything cute names, you know, Melty Kiss, and it's and it's a really great chocolate candy. It just melts kind of like ice cube candies that we have. And I saw green. I thought, oh, sweet. Mint Melty Kisses. These, what a great idea. So I bought two boxes of them. We had to be careful in Japan because green means green tea. <laughs> and so I popped one in my mouth when I got home expecting mint and instead got chocolate green tea, which I don't really like tea. <laughs> and then even people that like tea, I've heard, sometimes have a hard time with Japanese green tea. But who would like a, a, a green tea Melty Kiss? There you go. Whoa! Anybody else? Okay, whoever catches it. Oh, good. All right. Now, if you think that's Japanese, you can have it right now, by the way. You need snacks in church. If you think that's Japanese, this is really Japanese, okay? How many can recognize what, what candy bar this is? It's a Kit Kat, yeah, but this is not just any Kit Kat, okay? This is wasabi Kit Kat. Boom, man. How many know what wasabi is? Okay, it's one of the hottest spices. It's a Japanese treat. And so I have two, but you have to share because it's, you know, if someone next to you want, want a bite of wasabi. Okay. Who wants a tr- to try wasabi Kit Kat? There you go. Who was the next one? Jerry. Jerry, alright, Jerry Birch. Oh, Pam got it! Okay, share it. Herman wanted a bite. And then, uh, Diane, if you could share, someone behind you wanted uh, a piece, too. So you, you don't have to hog it all yourself. And, <coughs> and, like, if you have to run out and get water, it's okay. So one of the reasons I love going to Japan is the food, actually. I don't eat Japanese food there. But um, some things are Japanese. The rice is great, but there's all kinds of other food, Indian food and curry and stuff like that. And it's always a great time. Again, we'll be sharing more at the end of the service, but we want to share about Jesus. So would you join with me in prayer? Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy, for your goodness. Lord, I just pray your anointing during uh, the message that I would be able to communicate what you put on my heart in a way that makes sense, that helps people be what you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the neat things about this year's trip to Japan is that we did an outreach to the tsunami-affected area up in Tohoku, which is a region <clears throat> near the city of Sendai, which um, literally the place that many of you saw on CNN or whatever news broadcast you were watching, some of the scenes, we stood right in the middle of, of some of the scenes that, that you saw <clears throat> and saw the devastation. But one of the neat things is that there were actually six pastors in the group, we had a group of 29, and of those 29, six were pastors. So there were six different churches uh, represented, uh, myself, and then five churches from uh, Japan. <clears throat> and I thought, wow, what a great expression of unity. One of the pastors, Pastor Rick, had, had sent teams up 16 times. Uh, his son had been in uh, every one of his, Caleb, young man. And 16 times he'd come and uh, 
many of their trips were in the first weeks. Some uh, of the cities that they reached, were they were the first ones to come on scene uh, and find the survivors. And so they had many great stories to tell. Um, and, and, of course, <coughs> the, the missionary, Pastor Dean, that was uh, heading up uh, the uh, Samaritan's Purse effort, said the greatest need for, for the survivors is just for you to listen to their story. And don't, don't preach to them, but just listen to their story. And I actually had the opportunity with a translator to listen to one woman's story, and she ended up crying, and then I offered to pray for her, and we prayed, and she literally cried on my shoulder. And a very non-Japanese behavior. Um, <clears throat> but later, on a day or two later, we were sitting, all of us pastors were doing what pastors do. We were eating, <laughs> <clears throat> having lunch, telling stories. And pastor, I think it was at this setting that Pastor Hugh, one of the times we were all sitting together, Pastor Hugh is a missionary pastoring a church actually quite near Dennis's church. Uh, and he said the biggest need in Japan is for the Japanese to hear the story of Jesus. Uh, because just nobody knows it. Like the common, normal Japanese person, they may have heard the name of Jesus, but almost none of them have heard the story. They just haven't heard the story of Jesus. And he said that's the biggest need in Japan, is just people to tell the story. And within a, the last couple of months here in Kalamazoo, I've had a number of people come, with me, come up to me and share how surprised they've been when they've encountered someone right here in their life that had not heard the story. Like they would start talking about Jesus and they found out that that person actually had never even heard an explanation of, you know, yes, Jesus came on Christmas, but this is why he came. He lived and he died on the cross for our sins and he is resurrected and he promised to come again. This is a simple gospel story. And, and several of those people have come to salvation just by hearing uh, the story of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so when Pastor Hugh made that comment about Japan, I heard clearly in my spirit that's the same that's the same need here in the USA. And it's the same need in this generation right here. The biggest need is just to hear the story. The biggest need in our culture, in our society, in our generation is for people merely to hear the story. We cannot assume that they, that the people that you're talking with or you're encountering with outside of church in your day to day life have any understanding of what Jesus really, who Jesus is in, in the whole story of the Bible. You just can't assume. Maybe they do, but it's a good chance that they don't, they never, they've never even opened the Bible. And guess what? <clears throat> you and I are to be tellers of the story. That's what we're called to. We're to be storytellers of the greatest story ever told. Right? That's the story of the Bible. And we're the ones... Uh, that are telling stories. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to zoom in on different aspects of the Christmas story, which is just part of the story, but it's an important part, um, and kind of focus in on a few scenes, if you will, of the Christmas story and then kind of apply them to our lives and maybe uh, equip you to better tell the story, but also to challenge you to be part of the story and to live it out in your life. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and read through 38, which is like a whole paragraph. So I know it's a long portion. 
<laughs> Stay with me. <clears throat> yeah, you won't fit this on Twitter. <laughs> so let's 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 test our our uh, attention span. I'd read it out loud, but everybody has a different translation. If we read it out loud together, so I'll just read it. <clears throat> Is it on the screen? Oh, there you go. You want to? Nah. <laughs> just pay attention. All right. Luke 2.25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up he, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. All right, so that's the text. It's the story of Simeon and Anna. It's Simeon and Anna's uh, part of the story. All right? And we're going to zoom in. And, and these two characters in the Bible, they were real people. All right? Sometimes we read the Bible story and we, we just make, we think it's a make-believe. It was just a fiction. This is not fiction. This is, this is, this is really happened. There really was a, a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. And they provide a sharp contrast to many of the religious people in their day. And throughout the New Testament, we, we read a lot of examples of hypocrites and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the, they're all kind of like the bad guys, right? Okay. And so there can be a preconception that all of the Jews were bad guys. But they weren't. And not all of the religious leaders were bad guys. Because here, right at the beginning of the story, you have Simeon, who was a priest, and Anna, who was a prophetess, who were, wow, instantly caught up in the story of Jesus Christ. And just because, the point here is, just because there are hypocrites in the mix doesn't mean that there aren't as many, if not more, true believers. Alright? And that's true today. Just because there's some hypocrites... In the mix. I mean, sure, there's, there are churches, and there certainly are leaders in the churches, and there certainly are a lot of Christians who are weak or hypocritical 
or just doing things wrong. Alright? But that doesn't mean that there isn't many more who are passionate for Jesus. I was, I was in Japan and Pastor Rick, actually I met him a few years ago and connected. I really like the guy. We have a, several people have said we have a, you know, what did you a similar spirit or something like that? <coughs> uh, we're just, we both like each other. <laughs> Rick, the older guy. <coughs> we're both older. <laughs> so uh, we kind of hit it off and, um, and he, he just asked how the church is going, you know, the church in general in the U.S. And I said, actually, you know what? There is more passion in this next generation than I've ever seen. And I told him about the Jesus culture thing down in Chicago. And I said, I told him about the call uh, in Detroit and how our, mostly our young adults, uh, many of them fasted 40 days. And he was shocked. He was, wow. He says, that gives me so much hope. Because all I see in the media, all I see in, in Christian media, let alone worldly media, is that everything's falling apart. Listen, folks! Things aren't falling apart. Alright? The church is stronger than she's ever been. More people are coming to salvation every day today than ever in recorded history. It's like we're gaining, the church is gaining momentum and the strategy of the enemy is to only, is to, is to cause us to look at the negative. Look at God, uh, uh, Bill, uh, uh, what's his name? Johnson. <laughs> Always says we look at what God isn't doing and we miss what God is doing. And God is doing an amazing thing. And so, um, you know, don't be distracted by those who are missing the call and not see all of those who are passionate. And here we have two people, Simeon and, and Anna, who were passionately waiting for the Messiah to come. So who was Simeon? He was a priest. Simply a priest fulfilling his duty in the temple when uh, Joseph and Mary uh, brought the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. It was part of the Old Testament law. It was they were fulfilling the customs of the Old Testament that uh, the firstborn would come and be dedicated. <clears throat> it's not explicitly said here, but I, I found it interesting. I came across this in some of the readings that some Bible scholars, especially uh, uh, you know the older ones. Uh, believe that he may have been the son of Hillel, because the son of Hillel was named Simeon and was a priest at that time. Uh, and Hillel was one of the most celebrated uh, doctors and philosophers in the whole of Jewish history. Some of them compared him to uh, Moses in his significance. And he was also considered he may have been the head of the Sanhedrin which was the ruling party of one of the religious groups. We don't hear much about him later because Jesus didn't come into his ministry for 30 years later, and so we don't know what happened to Simeon afterward. What is important and significant is what is recorded in Scripture about Simeon. And there's a few things here that I think are important. It says that he was just and righteous. Okay? That means, those words means that his way of thinking... His, his feeling and acting were wholly conformed to God's will. All right. How would you like that said of you? You are just and righteous. That your way of thinking, feeling, and acting are wholly conformed, completely formed to God's will. <clears throat> Come on. That's what I want. A lot of times we think our feelings are not under our control, but they are. That's a lie. 
It doesn't mean that you, every feeling is, you know, like you can, you can respond and you can learn how to not be controlled by your feelings, but have your feelings under your, the control of your, your spirit and, your, and, your, and the Word of God. Yeah, you have to pastor yourself. <laughs> and, and, and Simeon de- demonstrated that. He was just and devout. Uh, devout or just and righteous. Devout means he reverenced God. He was pious. And it literally means he was careful or taking well. He was circumspect. And to be uh, devout, <clears throat> it means to be careful in your spiritual walk, in your day-to-day living. Careful not to violate God's will but also to fulfill God's calling in your life. All right? And we need to be careful. We need to be circumspect. Circumspect means that you're, you're looking around. You're aware of what's happening and you're responding to it uh, in a just and righteous way. And then it says he was waiting. I actually think that's one of the most important ones. Character traits of, of Simeon. He was waiting. He was waiting. He was looking. The word can be trans. He was looking. He was on the lookout. He had confidence and patience. He expected it. He expected the fulfillment of the promise. And so he was waiting and he was on the lookout. And many of us miss Jesus in our day because we're not looking. We miss Christ. Showing up in your life because you're not looking. You're not aware. Simeon had his eyes open. He was looking. Why? He had the promise and he knew the promise. And so he was looking. And when Jesus appeared, he recognized him quickly. And then it says, the Holy Spirit was upon him. It said that the Holy Spirit had spoke to him personally that he would see the Christ before he, he died. That's interesting. That's not recorded in the Old Testament, is it? Okay, so this is a biblical example that the Holy Spirit tells things to people that aren't recorded in Scripture. Can that be abused? Absolutely. Must it be submitted to the uh, written Scripture? Absolutely. What he was told was in agreement with the prophecies that were foretold. But he had a personal word. God said, guess what? You're going to see the Messiah before you die. I received that one, Jesus. Thank you. And so every day he looked, he looked, he looked. All right? So, and... And it says that he was led. He was led by the Spirit to the temple. This guy was a charismatic. <laughs> he probably spoke in tongues. No, we don't know that. <laughs> he spoke Hebrew. That's close enough. <laughs> all right. The truth is, the Holy Spirit's been active throughout all of mankind's history and long before mankind was around. The Holy Spirit's part of the Trinity. <clears throat> And we know a lot more about His ways in the New Testament. But the Holy Spirit was very, very active in the lives of those who responded and were open to Him all throughout the Old Covenant as well. And, and so, <clears throat> in, Simeon had the promise that he would see the Messiah, but he also knew the promise in Scripture. 
So the objective Word of God, as well as the confirmed prophetic Word that he had received, created in him a faith that provoked him to be on the lookout. Alright? That provoked him to be living just and devout and righteous. Do you see how those, the belief in that promise was the basis for his lifestyle? So that when Christ appeared, he was ready to receive. Alright? It was really, he was living by faith. We live by faith in that Christ came. He was living by faith in that Christ was coming. Really, we're living in faith that Christ is coming again. Alright? There's very little difference. Just like Simeon's lifestyle was the evidence that he believed that promise, he demonstrated that belief by his ways of, his, his way of thinking, feeling, and acting were in full accordance with God. He was just devout and he was looking. We also need to live that way. We need to live just and devout. We need to be waiting and looking for the fulfillment of the promise. And we need to be filled and flowing in and following the Holy Spirit. Amen? What did Simeon say? <clears throat> okay, you know, just a few days ago I saw baby Joseph uh, Eckerd. We had a new baby born. Yeah, Lacey and Brian had their baby. And every time you see a newborn baby, you know, there's just, there's a joy that comes. There's a hope. It's, it's, it's crazy. Every time, there's just something in it that makes you go, it's going to be all right. You know, there's joy, you know. Oh, we got the picture? Sweet. Yeah, he's a cute. Yeah, he had that little scowl. He kind of loosened up after I prayed for him. He did. Tori was with me. So, but Simeon saw more than that in this child. He saw the fulfillment of God's word. He says, "According to your word," uh, what uh, in the in the scripture that we read. Um, and then he goes on. Simeon saw God's promise of sending the Messiah had been fulfilled or was being fulfilled. And so his personal prophetic word in the written scripture was being fulfilled. And he quotes, he paraphrases a couple of Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. One is in Isaiah 49.6. And this is the Isaiah prophesying hundreds and hundreds of years earlier about the Messiah. It says, indeed, he says, God was speaking concerning the Messiah. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. God says, you know, it's not enough. It's not big enough for you just to raise up Israel, to redeem Israel. He says, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. God's promise and vision for the Messiah's kingdom was not just one little geographic area and not just one ethnic people, but it was to the ends of the earth and of all tribes and of all nations. And Simeon recognized that in this baby that was presented. He recognized that this was the Messiah. And he also paraphrases, he weaves in Isaiah 52. It says, break forth into joy, sing together. And that's what Anna did. Um, <clears throat> you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. It's interesting that uh, God in uh, uh, bearing His holy arm, in showing His might and strength, He comes 
as an infant. Because that's how strong he is. I mean, he, he, God's saying to the principalities in power, I can take over the whole world with a baby. And I'll prove it. All right. And these, these promises that were prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years earlier are being fulfilled in the person of Christ. And Simeon saw it. And we see it. Because here 2,000 years later, I'm still talking about this story. It is the greatest story ever told. It's amazing. And God's salvation, it says, it says uh, the salvation of our God, or in Isaiah 49, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. You know, God takes this salvation issue personally. We're to, be, we're to take it personally. It's our salvation. But God says it's my salvation. Not that God needs to be saved, but He's the one providing salvation for everyone who responds. Do you get it? Okay? You are the receiver, but it's His gift. Alright? And we need to receive it and latch on. God, on our behalf, on mankind's behalf, provides the means of salvation for every person, man, woman, and child of every race, every nation, to the ends of the earth. Right? In the person of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be a teller of the story, you need to have this point down rock solid. That Jesus came to save the whole earth. The whole nation. That's why I go to far off places. That's why I love going to Japan. Because less than 1% of the population believe in Jesus. And probably over 90% have never even heard the story. Give me a place where nobody has heard the story. That's why I like going there. All right. Why? Because Jesus came so that they could hear the story. And because Jesus is, he is destined to have that people. And every people from every tribe and nation worship Him for the rest of eternity. And it's, it's open. We have to believe that and we have to incorporate. This was, Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecies of long ago. And those prophecies are for everyone. And so in one sense, Christianity is the least exclusive. You know, Islam believes that God only speaks Arabic. Really. That if you can't read and understand excellent Arabic, you'll never understand the Quran. Now, a lot of followers of Islam don't read Arabic, and so they're reliant on others. But here we see the promise, and part of the, a big part of the story is that He's for all people of all nations. And so we're the most inclusive. And He was prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to the Gentiles, a glory to the people of Israel. You know, what does that mean? Jesus came to reveal the truth of God and His nature to all people throughout all the world, but He's also the glory of the people of Israel. He is the fulfillment of every promise given to the people of Israel. Every promise in the Old Testament made to all the patriarchs point to and are fulfilled in Him. He will reign on earth forever. In, King, in David's throne, okay? The person Jesus Christ. And so all of the promises to Israel are fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And we'll see that in the new kingdom if we're a follower of Christ. So both the light to the 
Gentiles and the restoration of all the promises to the people of Israel are fulfilled in this one person. And then Simeon kind of pegs uh, uh, Mary and says, you know what, uh, he's going to be, he's destined uh, to cause division, really. It says, uh, Behold, this, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. The thoughts and hearts of, may be revealed. And the truth is, encountering Jesus is salvation, but it also includes being pierced to the heart. Hebrews says the word of the Lord is a two-edged sword that pierces even to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Okay? And, and if, if Mary, Jesus' own mother, had to be pierced, how much more you and I will not be spared from being cut to the heart? Right? Jesus comes to bring salvation, but part of the process of salvation is having everything revealed. That's, that's part of the promise. It's part of the story. Are you hearing? It's, it's a good story. <clears throat> and it astounded his parents, but it also revealed the nature of Jesus as being more than just a good teacher, more than just a prophet, more than just a religious leader. And that's part of the story that we need to tell. We need to be bold and say, yeah, he was a good teacher. But a good teacher doesn't say that he is the only way and he is the truth and he is the light if, he, if, it, if it's not true. Are you hearing me? It's part of the story that we need to communicate that He is not only a good teacher, but King of kings and Lord of lords. And He's here to spread the light of God's kingdom to the ends of the earth and to restore and fulfill all the promises. I want to talk a little bit, a few minutes, about Anna because she's just as significant even though she only has a few words mentioned. We don't know much about her, although we do know that she was a prophetess. So here's a woman ministering in the role of a prophet. For those of you who don't think women can have ministry even here in, in, in the Old Covenant and in the New Testament, we see right at the beginning a prophetess, a woman ministering in one of the higher callings, higher ministries. She was old. Glory. Older than me. <laughs> She'd been a widow for many, many years. And she served God night and day through prayers and fasting. And like Simeon, she was a true believer. Right? She demonstrated her belief. And <clears throat> there's only three things in the Scripture here recorded that she did. And the first thing I think is the most significant. Is that she showed up. She was there. In that instant, I think it says. Can't read it. I need larger type. Is it up there? Oh, that's big enough. Coming in that instant, she came right at the right time. She was there. She didn't give up. Listen, she'd been a widow for eighty-four years. She'd been going to church for eighty-four years, praying and fasting. Do you think, as a young bride? She expected a life that would look like that? Do you think that when she got married, she expected her husband would die seven years later and she'd be left alone? Do you think that's how she envisioned her life would be? Do you think that was the fulfillment of her, her dreams and aspirations? I would say probably not. In fact, 
If she was having a bad day, she could probably wind your ear right off and make your problems look small. Because a single woman in that day was really, it's not like today. But she didn't lose the faith. And she actually used it as an opportunity to serve God. She took her disadvantages and made them opportunities to become one recorded. God honored her by being faithful for all those years, by having her see Christ and having her story recorded in Scripture. Why? Just because she was there. She showed up. I feel sorry for a lot of Christians today who will miss their reward simply because they don't show up. They just don't show They don't get it. Listen, you need, you need to be the church. Really, you need to be the church every Sunday. It's not optional when I wake up on Sunday morning. You say, that's because you're a pastor. I say, that's the other way around. I'm a pastor because I learned long ago. It's not optional. I need it. I was scared every time I had to miss church because I was afraid that that Sunday, they're going to sh- whatever's preached or whatever happens in worship is the key that I need to make it, you know. Like, you know? Like, I, I would miss something that was vital. And I don't want to abuse that, but you need to recognize this woman demonstrated faithfulness for years, for decades, and she was rewarded for it. Second thing she did was she gave thanks. It says she broke out in the message. It says she broke into an anthem of praise. This old woman, she was at least 84. She may have been a widow for 84. That means she could have been close to 100. <clears throat> and as soon as she saw Jesus, wow, she just started worshiping. All right? She broke out into an anthem of praise. Can you imagine Joseph and Mary, Simeon? Whoa! All this. Anna, wow! And I think it really confirmed, you know, this is not the only thing that confirmed Joseph and Mary, that Jesus was unique. And it's something that we can include in the story as well when we're telling others. that Listen, Jesus is unique. <clears throat> and the third thing she did, it says, and she talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. She told people about it. She told Clark, <clears throat> commentator, uh, the NSB says she continued to speak. She didn't just talk about it that day. The idea is she didn't stop talking about it, probably for the rest of her life. Clark says, he <clears throat> mentions this phrase, may mean, he thinks it means, that this excellent woman traveled over the land of Israel. He actually believes she went out throughout all the land of Israel proclaiming the advent of Jesus Christ, of the Christ. At, at all, at, in the very least, it appears that this widow was one of the first publishers of the Gospel of Christ. Again, the first one to preach the Gospel was a woman. And it is likely that she traveled, at, at the very least, with it from house to house. In other words, everyone that she knew in, in Jerusalem who were like Simeon and her, waiting for the restoration, waiting for the Messiah, she went and said, He's here, He's here, He's here, He's here. She told the story. All right? She got it. And she went out and told the story. And so like Simeon and like Anna, we need to be ready. We need to be ready to see when God brings His salvation. We need to be ready to see Christ. We need to be looking when Jesus comes, maybe in unexpected ways in our life. We need to be ready to receive because we're living a lifestyle that's receptive to God. And we need to be ready to tell. 
All right? That we need to be part of the story by communicating the message to others. Amen. All right. Well, it is the Christmas season, and we have Christmas Christmas things coming up here at New Day. Uh, this Saturday at 6.30 is our Christmas party. So if you have not signed up for that on the uh, uh, connection card, please do that today. And speaking of the connection card, if you are new and you have never filled out a connection card and turned it in, I'd like to invite you to do that today. Take it to the connection counter in the back, and we have a gift for you. All right, so this, uh, back to the Christmas party this Saturday. Uh, if you are coming, it's important that you br- bring an appetizer and a dessert to eat and to bring. It's like a potluck style, like a, to share. Yeah, so like a large amount to come, okay? We, uh, are not having a meal this year like we've had in, in, in other years, so don't come expecting a meal. But we are gonna have lots of appetizers and desserts because you're gonna bring them. And, uh, <laughs> No, not just an appetizer or a dessert. An appetizer and a dessert is how this is going to work. So if everybody does that, we're going to have plenty of food. It will be great. Uh, we're going to have our talent show, um, it's, which is always wonderful. So we're looking forward to that. Please be here this Saturday. Um, and also, I believe today was the day you need to bring in your gifts. So if you signed up to bring in a gift for a child and, and uh, did not have that today, who do you need to talk to about that? Tori. You need to find Tori and sort that out um, so we can bless all of our kids at the party. Tori or Lori? Yes. All right. I said that right. All right. Also, uh, when we have Christmas, actually, December 25th, that is on a Sunday this year. Okay? And we are meeting. Uh, Some people were asking if we're having church. Yes, we are. That's a great time to have church on Christmas. Um, What we are doing differently, though, is we're having one service. Okay? At 11 o'clock. So from 11 to noon. 11 to 12. One hour service. That's the only service we will be having on Christmas. Okay? So, uh, everybody's gonna be here. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be packed. Um, we're doing the exact same thing on New Year's because a week after Christmas is New Year's Day. We are only having one service again on New Year's Day. So please come, uh, to join us both those weeks. Again, that'll be at 11 a.m. So mark that on your calendars. Um, you're welcome to show up a couple hours early, but nobody else will be here. <laughs> Uh, all right, we are going to take an offering. Oh, well, you know what? Let's do the picture one more time of Brian and Lacey's baby. I, I was going to skip it because we already did it, but look, let's all clap because we have a new member. And he's beautiful. All right, let's take the offering. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to give to you uh, something of what you've blessed us so much with. Lord, I ask that you would use this offering to expand your kingdom and and to to bless the ministries of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we get to hear about uh, the trip that that our team took to Japan, and we're going to start that off with a video. So let's go ahead and watch that.